One of the industries most at risk from a changing economy is the auto industry. General Motors used to be the largest employer in Ohio. Now it's 72nd. Today, thousands of GM workers here in Ohio and across the country are on strike. All of you on the stage have voiced support for these workers. Senator Booker, one of the latest impasses in negotiations involves bringing jobs back from Mexico. As president, how would you convince GM to return production to the United States? Well, first of all, the one point I wanted to make about the UBI conversation, and I hope uh, that my friend Andrew Yang will come out for this, doing more for workers uh, than UBI would actually be just raising the minimum wage to $15 an hour, it would put more money in people's pockets than giving them $1,000 a month. We have to start putting the dignity back in work. And number one, you start having trade deals, not like this thing that the president is trying to push through Congress right now that gives pharmaceutical companies and other corporations benefits and doesn't put workers at the center of every trade deal. We must make sure we are not giving corporate tax incentives for people to move jobs out of our country, but start to put the worker at the center of that and make sure that they have the resources to succeed. But it's more than that. I stood with these workers because we're seeing this trend all over our country. I stood with unions because right now unions in America are under attack. As union membership has gone down, we have seen a stratification of wealth and income in this country. So the other thing that I'll do as president of the United States is begin to fight again to see union strength in this country spread, to make sure we have sectoral bargaining so that unions from the auto workers all the way to fast food workers can ensure that we improve workers' conditions and make sure that every American has a living wage in this country. Thank you, Senator. Uh, Congressman O'Rourke, uh, same question for you. How would you convince GM to bring production back to the United States from Mexico? I've met with these members of the UAW who are striking outside of facilities in Cincinnati, in Lordstown, Ohio, which has just been devastated, decimated by GM and their malfeasance, uh, paying effectively zero in taxes last year. The people of Ohio investing tens of millions of dollars in the infrastructure around there what they want is a shot, um, and they want fairness in how we treat workers in this country, which they are not receiving today. Part of the way to do that is through our trade deals, making sure that if we trade with Mexico, Mexican workers are allowed to join unions, which they are effectively unable to do today. Not only is that bad for the Mexican worker, it puts the American worker at a competitive disadvantage. If we complement that with investment in world-class pre-K through 12 public education, get behind our world-class public school educators, if we make sure that cost is not an object to be able to attend college, and if we elevate the role of unions in this country and create more than five million apprenticeships over the next eight years, we will make sure that every single American has a shot. They don't want a handout. They don't want a job guarantee. They just want a shot. And as president, I will give them that shot. Thank you, Congressman. Income inequality is growing in the United States at an alarming rate. The top 1% now own more of this nation's wealth and the bottom 90% combined. Senator Sanders. When you introduced your wealth tax, which would tax the assets of the wealthiest Americans, you said, quoting you, Senator, billionaires should not exist. Is the goal of your plan to tax billionaires out of existence? When you have a half a million Americans sleeping out on the street today, when you have 87 people, 87 million people uninsured or underinsured, 
when you got hundreds of thousands of kids who cannot afford to go to college and millions struggling with the oppressive burden of student debt. And then you also have three people owning more wealth than the bottom half of American society. That is a moral and economic outrage. And the truth is we cannot afford to continue this level of income and wealth inequality, and we cannot afford a billionaire class whose greed and corruption has been at war with the working families of this country for 45 years. So if you're asking me, do I think we should demand that the wealthy start paying the wealthiest, top one-tenth of one percent, start paying their fair share of taxes so we can create a nation and a government that works for all of us, yes, that's exactly what I believe. Thank you, Senator. <laughs> Mr. Sire, you are the lone billionaire on this stage. Uh, What's your plan for closing the income gap? Well, first of all, let me say this. Senator Sanders is right. There have been 40 years where corporations have bought this government, and those 40 years have meant a 40-year attack on the rights of working people and specifically on organized labor. And the results are as shameful as Senator Sanders says, both in terms of assets and in terms of income. It's absolutely wrong. It's absolutely undemocratic and unfair. I was one of the first people on this stage to propose a wealth tax. I would undo every Republican tax cut for rich people and major corporations. But there's something else going on here that is absolutely shameful, and that's the way the money gets split up in terms of earnings. As a result of taking away the rights of working people in organized labor, people haven't had a raise. 90% of Americans have not had a raise for 40 years. If you took the minimum wage from 1980 and just adjusted it for inflation, you get 11 bucks. It's seven and a quarter. If you included the productivity gains of American workers, it'd be over 20 bucks. There's something wrong here, and that is that the corporations have bought our government. Our government has failed. That's why I'm running for president, because we're not gonna get any of the policies that everybody on this stage wants, health care, education, Green New Deal Thank or a you, living Mr. wage Sire. unless we break the power of these corporations. Thank you, Mr. Sire. Vice President Biden, you have warned against demonizing rich people. Do you believe that Senator Sanders and Senator Warren's wealth tax plans do that? No, look, I, demonizing wealth people, what I talked about is how you get things done. And the way to get things done is take a look at the tax code right now. The idea, we have to start rewarding work, not just wealth. I would eliminate the capital gains tax. That in, I, would, I would raise the capital gains tax to the highest rate of 39.5%. I would double it. Because guess what? Why in God's name should someone who's clipping coupons in the stock market make, in fact, pay a lower tax rate than someone who, in fact, is, uh, like I said, the, a school teacher and a firefighter? It's ridiculous. And they pay a lower tax. Secondly, the idea that we, in fact, engage in this notion that there are one point there's $1,640,000,000,000 in tax loopholes. You can't justify a minimum $600 billion of that. We could eliminate it all. I could go into detail had I the time. Secondly, the th I mean, thirdly, what we need to do is we need to go out and make it clear to the American people that we are going to. We are going to raise taxes on the wealthy. We're going to reduce tax burdens on 
those who are not. And this is one of the reasons why these debates are kind of crazy, because everybody tries to squeeze everything into every answer that is given. The fact is, everybody's right about the fact that the fourth industrial revolution is costing jobs. It is. The fact is also corporate greed. If they're going back and not investing in their employees, they're reinvesting and buying back their stock. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. See, Thank you, Mr. Vice thing. President. S Senator Warren, your response. So I think this is about our values as a country. Show me your budget, show me your tax plans, and we'll know what your values are. And right now in America, the top one-tenth of one percent have so much wealth. Understand this, that if we put a two-cent tax on their 50 millionth and first dollar, and on every dollar after that, we would have enough money to provide universal child care for every baby in this country, age zero to five. Universal pre-K for every child. Raise the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in America. Provide for universal tuition-free college. Put $50 billion into historically black colleges and universities. Thank and you, cancel, Senator Warren. No, let me finish, please. And cancel student loan debt for 95% of the people who have it. My question is not why do Bernie and I support a wealth tax, it's why is it does everyone else on this stage think it is more important to protect billionaires than it is to invest in an entire generation of Americans? Thank you, Senator Warren. No one Mayor is supporting Buttigieg. billionaires. Mayor Buttigieg, your response. I'm all for a wealth tax. I'm all for just about everything that was just mentioned in these answers. Let me tell you, though, how this looks from the industrial Midwest where I live. Washington politicians, congressmen and senators, saying all the right things, offering the most elegant policy prescriptions, and nothing changes. I didn't even realize it was unusual to have empty factories that I would see out the windows of my dad's Chevy Cavalier when he drove me to school. I didn't know that wasn't every city until I went away to college. Now, I drive my own Chevy, it's a Chevy Cruze used to be built right in Lordstown, which is now one more symbol of the broken promises that this president has made to workers. But why did workers take a chance on this president in the first place? It's because it felt like nobody was willing to actually do anything. And while he's unquestionably made it dramatically worse, this is time to realize that we're paying attention to the wrong things. We're paying attention you, to who sounded Thank better you, on a debate stage or in a committee Klobuchar. here Senator versus Klobuchar. what it's actually going to take Will a wealth tax, will a wealth tax work? Um, it could work. I am open to it. But I want to give a reality check here to Elizabeth, because no one on this stage wants to protect billionaires. Not even the billionaire wants to protect billionaires. Uh, we just have different approaches. Your idea is not the only idea. And when I look at this, I think about Donald Trump, the guy that after that uh, tax bill passed, went to Mar-a-Lago, got together with his cronies, and said, guess what? You guys all got a lot richer. That was the one time in his presidency he told the truth. So we have different ways. I would repeal significant portions of that tax bill that helped the rich, including what he did with the corporate tax rate, including what he did on international taxation. You add it all up, you got a lot of money that, one, helps pay for that child care, protects that dignity of work, make sure we have decent retirement, and make sure that our kids can go to Thank good you. schools. Sen it is not one Thank idea you, that rules here. Senator Warren, please respond. So understand, 
taxing income is not going to get you where you need to be the way taxing wealth does. That the rich are not like you and me. The really, really billionaires are making their money off their accumulated wealth, and it just keeps growing. We need a wealth tax in order to make investments in the next generation. Look, I understand that this is hard, but I think as Democrats, we are going to succeed when we dream big and fight hard, not when we dream small and quit before we get started. Oh, I would like to respond to that. Senator Klobuchar, respond, you know, please. I, I think simply because you have different ideas doesn't mean you're fighting for regular people. I wouldn't even be up on this stage if it wasn't for unions and the dignity of work. If my grandpa didn't have unions protecting him in those mines, he wouldn't have survived. If my mom didn't have unions that as a teacher, she wouldn't have been able to make the wages she made when my parents got divorced. So just because we have different ideas and get to the same place in terms of beating Donald Trump and taking this on, we are in Ohio. We can win Ohio in the presidency, but only if we unite, if we unite around a ideals and don't go fighting against each other and instead take the fight Thank to you, him. Thank you, Senator. Senator Harris, you want to give working families a tax credit of up to $6,000 a year to help close the income gap. Right. Is that a better solution than a wealth tax? Well, here's how I think about it. Um, when I was growing up, um, my mother raised my sister and me. We would often come home from school before she came home from work. She'd come home, she'd cook dinner, and um, at some point we'd go to bed, and she'd sit up at the kitchen table trying to figure out how to make it all work. And when I think about where we are right now in 2020, I do believe justice is on the ballot. It's on the ballot in terms of impeachment. It's on the ballot in terms of economic justice, health justice, and so many other issues. So when I think about this issue, I'm thinking about that dad who tonight is going to be sitting at his kitchen table after everyone's gone to sleep and sitting there with his cup of tea or coffee trying to figure out how, it's going to make, how he's going to make it work. And he's probably sitting there deciding that on that minimum wage job that does not pay enough for him to meet the bills at the end of the month, he's going to have to start driving an Uber. And what does that mean? That means that with those two jobs, he's going to miss his kids' soccer games. That's the reality for Americans today, which is why, yes, when I, pass, when I get elected, and, and pass this bill, which will give the American family who makes less than $100,000 a year a tax credit of up to $6,000 a year that they can take home at up to $500 a month, that's going to make a real difference in that man's life. And don't tell him that's not a big Thank deal you, when Senator. he's trying to get through the end of the month. Mr. Yang, your response. Would you oppose a wealth tax? Senator Warren is 100% right that we're in the midst of the most extreme winner-take-all economy no. in history. And a wealth tax makes a lot of sense in principle. The problem is that it's been tried in Germany, France, Denmark, Sweden, and all those countries ended up repealing it because it had massive implementation problems and did not generate the revenue that they'd projected. If we can't learn from the failed experiences of other countries, what can we learn from? We should not be looking to other countries' uh, mistakes. Instead, we should look at what Germany, France, Denmark, and Sweden still have, which is a value-added tax. If we give the American people a tiny slice of every Amazon sale, every Google search, every robot truck mile, every Facebook ad, we can generate hundreds of billions of dollars and then put it into our hands because we know best how to use it. Thank you. Thank you. Congressman O'Rourke, do you think a wealth tax is the best way to address income inequality? Your response? I think it's part of the solution, but I think we need to be focused on lifting people up. And sometimes I think that 
Senator Warren is, is more focused on being punitive or, or pitting some part of the country against the other. Um, instead of lifting people up and making sure that this country comes together around those solutions. I think of a woman that I met in Las Vegas, Nevada. She's working four jobs, raising her child with disabilities. And any American with disabilities knows just how hard it is to make it and get by in this country already. Um, some of those jobs working for some of these corporations, she wants to know how we are going to help her, how we're going to make sure that her child has the care that she needs, that we strengthen protections for those with disabilities, that she just has to work one job because it pays a living wage. And Senator Warren said, show me your budget, show me your tax plan, and you'll show me your values. She has yet to describe her tax plan and whether or not that person I met would see a tax increase. Under my administration, if you make less than $250,000 a year as a family, you will not see a tax increase. That Thank family you, needs to know that. Let me say I want to give Senator Warren a chance to respond. So um, I'm really shocked at the notion that anyone thinks I'm punitive. Uh, look, I don't have a beef with billionaires. My problem is you made a fortune in America. You had a great idea. You got out there and worked for it. Good for you. But you built that fortune in America. I guarantee you built it in part using workers all of us help pay to educate. You built it in part getting your goods to market on roads and bridges all of us help pay for. You built it at least in part protected by police and firefighters all of us help pay the salaries for. And all I'm saying is, you make it to the top, the top one-tenth of one percent, then pitch in two cents so every other kid in America has a chance to Senator, make it. Senator, thank you. That's Secretary Castro, about. your response? I just want to make sure that we're lifting up those families but, who are working and need help through an expanded earned income and, tax credit or child ahead. tax credit, Go which ahead, we will Senator. do in my administration. That is the point. This is universal child care for every baby in this country. Early educational opportunities for every child. Universal pre-K, no matter where you live, for every three-year-old and four-year-old. in addition to that, will they see the a tax wages. increase? No, raising the wages of every child care worker and preschool teacher in this country. This is about universal college, about investment in our HBCUs, about making sure that we get rid of the student loan debt burden. Thank that you, is Senator. Much Thank you, Senator. Secretary Castro, I want to get Secretary Castro in here, please, Congressman. Thanks Go ahead, lot, Secretary. Uh, Aaron. And you see that everybody has their own plans. And let me just say that, that the way that I view this is born out of my own experience. I grew up, like I bet a lot of folks in this room grew up, and folks that are watching on TV, uh, I grew up with my twin brother, Joaquin, uh, in a single-parent household where my mom was working hard to support us and also her mom, my grandmother. And we knew what it was like uh, to wonder whether we were going to be able to pay the rent at the first of the month or sometimes have the electricity turned off. And when I was a kid, to look at the grocery list that seem to get shorter and shorter. And that's what's happening to a lot of families these days. I was in Las Vegas a few months ago, and I visited people who are homeless, who are living in storm drainage tunnels under the Las Vegas Strip in the shadow of hotels and casinos that are worth hundreds of millions of dollars, where people from around the world are spending so much money on vacations. We can do better than that. I believe that a wealth inequality tax, as I proposed, is part of the answer, but also I've proposed an inheritance tax raising the top marginal thank tax you, rate Secretary. and investing in things thank like you, universal Secretary. child care Senator Booker, and affordable please housing. Respond. Well, first of all, I just want to respond by, you know, we've got one shot to make Donald Trump a one-term president. Mm -hmm. 
And how we talk about each other in this debate actually really matters. I, I've had the privilege of working with or being friends with everybody on this stage and tearing each other down because we have a different plan to me is unacceptable. I have seen this script before. It didn't work in 2016 and it will be disaster for us in 2020. And so I, I have a different plan than uh, Elizabeth Warren. I have a different plan than many people on this stage. And it involves, again, fair taxes for the richest. We have a lot of work to do there, but we've had 20 years of presidential debates, and we have never talked about the violence in America of child poverty. We have got to begin to talk more eloquently and more persuasively and urgently about doing the things, not just to make sure fair taxes are paid by people on the top, but that we deal with the moral obscenity of having the highest levels of child poverty in the industrial world. My plan will focus on that, and these are some of the issues we should be talking about. Not defining ourselves just by what we're against, but we need to win this election by talking about who and what we are for. Thank you, Senator Booker. We've got to take a quick break. Uh, we've got to take a quick break right now. The CNN New York Times debate live from Otterbein University in Ohio. We'll be right back after this. And welcome back to the CNN New York Times Democratic, Democratic presidential debate live from Otterbein University in Westerville, Ohio. I want to turn now to foreign policy. President Trump ordered the withdrawal of all American forces from northern Syria, abandoning America's longtime Kurdish allies. As a result, Turkey has now invaded Syria. ISIS detainees have escaped, and the Kurds have announced a new deal with the government in Damascus, a victory for Syrian dictator Bashar al-Assad and Russia and Iran. Vice President Biden, we know you would not have withdrawn troops from northern Syria in this way, but that is already in process. So would you send American troops back into northern Syria to prevent an ISIS resurgence and protect our Kurdish allies. I would not have withdrawn the troops, and I would not have drawn the additional 1,000 troops who are in Iraq, which are in retreat now, being fired on by, Ashad, by Assad's people, and the President of the United States saying, if those, if those ISIS folks escape from the prisons they're in, they'll only go to Europe and won't affect us. It has been the most shameful thing that, I've, that any president has done in modern history. <laughs> Excuse me in terms of foreign policy. And the fact of the matter is, I've never seen a time, and I've spent thousands of hours in the Situation Room, I've spent many hours on the ground in those very places, in Syria and in Iraq, and guess what? Our commanders across the board, former and present, are ashamed of what's happening here. What I would do is I would be making it real clear to Assad that, in fact, we're, he's going to have a problem because Turkey is the real problem here. And I would be having a real lockdown conversation with Erdogan and letting him know that he's going to pay a heavy price for what he has done. Now, pay that price. Just to clarify, Mr. Vice President, would you want American troops back in northern I Syria? I would want those 1,000 troops to be protected by air cover, those 1,000 troops that are being having to withdraw under fire, make it clear that they're not going anywhere, and have them protected, and work my way back toward what, in fact, needs to be done, protecting those Kurds. They lost their lives. This is shameful, shameful what this man has done. Congresswoman Gabbard, last week you said that American troops should get out of Syria now. You don't agree with how the president handled the withdrawal. What would you have done differently? How would you have pulled out troops without the bloodshed we're seeing now? Well, first of all, we've got to understand the reality of the situation there, which is that the slaughter of the Kurds 
being done by Turkey is yet another negative consequence of the regime change war that we've been waging in Syria. Donald Trump has the blood of the Kurds on his hand, but so do many of the politicians in our country from both parties who have supported this ongoing regime change war in Syria that started in 2011, along with many in the mainstream media who have been championing and cheerleading this regime change war. Not only that, but uh, New York Times and CNN have also smeared veterans like myself for calling for an end to this regime change war. Uh, just two days ago, the New York Times put out a, an article saying that I'm a, a Russian asset and an Assad apologist and all these different smears. This morning, a CNN commentator said on national television that I'm an asset of Russia. Completely despicable. As president, I will end these regime change wars by doing two things. Ending the draconian sanctions that are really a modern day siege, the likes of which we are seeing Saudi Arabia wage against Yemen that have caused tens and thousands of Syrian civilians to die and to starve. And I would make sure that we stop supporting terrorists like al-Qaeda in Syria, who've been the ground force in this ongoing regime change war. I'd like to ask Senator Warren if she would join me in calling for an end to this regime change war in Syria, finally. So look, I think that we ought to get out of the Middle East. I don't think we should have troops in the Middle East, but we have to do it the right way, the smart way. What this president has done is that he has sucked up to dictators. He has made impulsive decisions that often his own team doesn't understand. He has cut and run on our allies, and he has enriched himself at the expense of the United States of America. In Syria, he has created a bigger than ever humanitarian crisis. He has helped ISIS get another foothold, a new lease on life. I sit on the Armed Services Committee. I talk with our military leaders about this. I was in Iraq and went through the neighborhoods that ISIS destroyed. We need to get out, but we need to do this through a negotiated solution. There is no military solution in this region. Mayor Buttigieg, like many of your fellow candidates on the stage, you've been calling for an end to endless wars. What's your response on Syria? Well, respectfully, Congresswoman, I think that is dead wrong. The slaughter going on in Syria is not a consequence of American presence. It's a consequence of a withdrawal and a betrayal by this president of American allies and American values. Look, I didn't think we should have gone to Iraq in the first place. I think we need to get out of Afghanistan. But it's also the case that a small number of specialized special operations forces and intelligence capabilities were the only thing that stood between that part of Syria and what we're seeing now, which is the beginning of a genocide, and the resurgence of ISIS. Meanwhile, soldiers in the field are reporting that for the first time they feel ashamed, ashamed of what their country has done. We saw the spectacle, the horrifying sight of a woman with the lifeless body of her child in her arms asking what the hell happened to American leadership. And when I was deployed, I knew one of the things keeping me safe was the fact that the flag on my shoulder represented a country known to keep its word. And our allies knew it and our enemies lose Thank that. you, Mayor. You take that away, you are taking away what makes America America. Thank you, Mayor. It makes our troops and the world a much more dangerous place. Congresswoman Gabbard, your response. Yeah, absolutely. So really what you're saying, uh, Mayor Pete, is that you would continue to support having U.S. troops in Syria for an indefinite period of time 
to continue this regime change war that has caused so many refugees to flee Syria, that you would continue to have our country involved in a war that has undermined our national security. You would continue this policy of the U.S. actually providing arms and support to terrorist groups in Syria, like Al-Qaeda, HTS, al-Nusra, and others, because they are the ones who have been the ground force in this regime change war. That's really what you're saying. Mayor Pete. Mayor no, Rutgers. you can embrace, or you can put an end to endless war without embracing Donald Will Trump's policy as you end the regime change doing. war is the question. What we are doing What is an endless in, war if it's not yet another regime change Please. war? Please allow him to respond. What we are doing, or what we were doing in Syria, was keeping our word. Part of what makes it possible for the United States to get people to put their lives on the line to back us up is the idea that we will back them up too. When I was deployed, not just the, the Afghan National Army forces, but the janitors put their lives on the line just by working with US forces. I would have a hard time today looking an Afghan civilian or soldier in the eye after what just happened over there. And it is undermining the honor of our soldiers. You take away the Thank honor you. of our soldiers, you might as well go after their body armor next. This president has betrayed American values. Our credibility is in tattered. I will restore U.S. credibility before Senator, it is finally too late. Senator Sanders, is, is Turkey still a U.S. ally? Should they remain in NATO? I'm sorry, say Is Turkey still a U.S. ally? Should they remain in NATO? No, Turkey is not a U.S. ally when they invade uh, another country and engage in mass slaughter. The the crisis here, as I think Joe said and Pete said, is when you begin to betray people, and in terms of the Kurds, 11,000 of them died fighting ISIS, 20,000 were wounded. And the United States said, we're with you, we're standing with you. And then suddenly one day after a phone call with Erdogan announced by tweet, Trump reverses that policy. Now, you tell me what country in the world will trust the word of the president of the United States. In other words, what he has done is wreck our ability to do foreign policy, to do military policy, because nobody in the world will believe this pathological liar. But Thank this, this is really important because... What this president has done shows that American leadership shapes the behavior of our allies, or sometimes allies, too. Remember, the problem right now is not just that with our competitors. And, for example, a place like China, the people of Hong Kong rise up for democracy and don't get a peep of support from the president. It's not just the behavior of adversaries like Russia, but our one-time allies, like Saudi Arabia, which the CIA just concluded was responsible, as we all knew, for murdering and dismembering an American resident and journalist, and Turkey, which was an American ally. That's the point. We had leverage, but when we abandon the international stage, when we think our only choices are between endless war or total isolation, the consequence is the Thank disappearance you, of U.S. leadership from the world stage, Senator, and that makes this entire world a more dangerous place. Senator Klobuchar, should Turkey remain in NATO? We need to work with our allies to work with Turkey and bring them out. This is an outrageous thing that happened here, and I think we need to talk about this uh, not only in terms of the horror of what happened here with Turkey, but the fact that our president blew it, and now he's too proud to say it, and what do we do now? We continue that humanitarian aid, but then we work with our allies to say, come back, Turkey, and stop this, because what Mayor Pete has just said is true. Think about our other allies, Israel. 
How do they feel right now? Donald Trump is not true to his word when they are a beacon of democracy in the Mideast. Think about our allies in Europe when he pulls out of the Iranian agreement and leaves them holding the bag and gives the power to China and Russia. Thank you, Think about the nuclear agreement with Russia that he precipitously pulled out of. This is part of a pattern. It's not an isolated Thank incident. You, uh, Senator Harris, uh, given that the U.S. abandoned our Kurdish allies, what would you do as president to convince the rest of the world that we can still be trusted? That's a great question, Anderson, because the commander-in-chief of the United States of America has as one of her greatest priorities and responsibilities to concern herself with the security of our nation and homeland. I serve on the Senate Intelligence Committee. I have, over a period of time, received classified information about the threats to our security and hotspots around the world. What has happened in Syria is, yet again, Donald Trump selling folks out. And in this case, he sold out the Kurds, who, yes, fought with us and thousands died in our fight against ISIS. And let's be clear, what Donald Trump has done because of that phone call with Erdogan is basically giving 10,000 ISIS fighters a get-out-of-jail-free card. And you know who the winner is in this? There are four. Russia, Iran, Assad, and ISIS. This is a crisis of Donald Trump's making, and it is on a long list of crises of Donald Trump's making, and that's why do gotta go, and when I am commander-in-chief, we will stop this madness. Secretary Castro, uh, your response. Well, I mean, you asked the question of how are we gonna get people to trust us again? The first thing is we gotta boot Donald Trump out of the Oval Office so that people will trust us again. Um, you know, I also want people to think the folks this week that saw those images of ISIS prisoners running free to think about how absurd it is that this president is caging kids on the border and effectively letting ISIS prisoners run free. He has made a tremendous mistake, a total disaster there in Syria. And just to connect the dots for a second, if you're Kim Jong-un, for instance, why in the world would you believe anything that this president says to contain your nuclear weapons program when he tore up an Iran nuclear agreement that we just signed four years ago, which was the strongest agreement to contain Iran's nuclear weapons program, and now he's abandoned the very people that we gave our word to? I would make sure that we, we work with our allies to pressure Thank Syria you. to stop the aggression, uh, and I support efforts at stronger sanctions than this president has announced. Thank you, Mr. Secretary. Senator Booker, the American intelligence community says that Russia is trying to capitalize on the power vacuums around the world, as we're seeing right now in northern Syria. What specifically would you do as president to check Vladimir Putin's power on the world stage? So first of all, understand that this president is turning the moral leadership of this country into a dumpster fire. We, we literally have great generals like Mattis, who said on the world stage, the United States of America, there can be no better friend than the United States of America and no, better, no greater enemy than the United States of America. This president has turned that upside down and now is doing things to undermine our critical alliances and partner with Russia. And so clearly to your uh, to your question. Number one, we cannot allow the Russians to continue to grow in influence by abandoning the world stage. We cannot allow Russia to not only interfere in the democracies of the Ukraine and Latvia and Lithuania, but even not calling them out for their efforts to interfere in this democracy are unacceptable. Russia and Putin understand strength. And this president, time and time again, is showing moral weakness. He makes promises to the American people, 
that he's going to protect this nation. Well, instead of doing something to defeat ISIS, he's now given them a foothold again. This is an American president that even right now is lying to the American public and saying he's bringing our troops home. At the same time, he's increasing troop presence with the Saudis and while they're involved in an unjust war that is killing tens of thousands of children in Yemen. This president is making us less safe. He is partnering more with Putin than he is with Merkel and Macron. And as, my, as president of the United States, I will stop this and restore American integrity abroad. Thank you, Senator Vice President. I think I maybe doesn't make me any better or worse, but maybe the only person who spent extensive time alone with Putin, as well as with Erdogan. And Erdogan understands that. You talk about should he stay in or out of NATO. He understands that he's out of NATO, he's in real trouble. But the fact of the matter is we have been unwilling in this administration because we have an erratic, crazy president who knows not a damn thing about foreign policy and operates out of fear for his own reelection. What, think what's happened. The fact of the matter is you have Russia influencing and trying to break up NATO. What does the president do? He says, I believe Vladimir Putin. I believe Vladimir Putin. I don't believe our He's intelligence committee. He's suggesting Vladimir no, no, Putin. No, I'm not. No, 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 I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> but here, look, but here's the deal. Think what that did. He turns around and he questions whether or not he'll keep the sacred commitment of Article 5 for the NATO members. If he is reelected, I promise you, there will be no NATO. Our security will be vastly underrated. Under, we will be in real trouble. And with regard to regime change in Syria, that has not been the policy to change the regime. It has been to make sure that the regime did not wipe out hundreds and thousands of innocent people between there and the, and the Iraqi border. And lastly, and I apologize for going up, but lastly, what is happening in Iraq is going to be, I mean, excuse me, in Afghanistan, as well as all the way over to Syria. We have ISIS that's going to come here. They are going to, in fact, damage the United States of America. That's why we got involved in the first place and not ceded the whole area to Assad and to the Russians. Thank you, Mr. Vice President. Uh, Congressman O'Rourke, Senate Democrats put out a report last year on Russia's hostile actions around the world. They suggest the next president could fight back by publicly revealing what the U.S. knows about Putin's corruption and work with allies to freeze his bank accounts. Would you take either of those actions, even in the face of possible retaliation? Yes, we must be unafraid in ensuring that we hold Russia accountable for invading the world's greatest democracy. And being able to do it, thanks to Donald Trump, functionally with impunity so far, so much so, that they are invading this democracy right now as we speak, still at the invitation of this president. So if there are not consequences, we will continue to see this problem going forward. But in addition, y además, to answer the previous question that you asked, how do we stand up to Russia on the global stage? We do that by renewing our alliances and our friendships. That is what makes America stronger. There isn't enough money in this country. There aren't enough service members as brave and courageous as they are to do everything that we want to accomplish militarily around the world. And the Kurds are case in point. In fact, because we turned our backs on them, those Kurds who fought for us in Syria, helped to defeat ISIS, not just for themselves, but for the United States of America, it makes it more likely that we will have to send another generation of service members to fight those battles there. And then lastly, 
As General Mattis, who was invoked earlier, has said, we have two powers, one of intimidation and one of inspiration. We need to now focus on that latter power and make sure that we invest in diplomacy, in our State Department, and peacefully and nonviolently resolving our foreign policy goals, not on the backs of 18 and 19 and 20-year-olds anymore, but making sure that our diplomats are invested in, have the focus necessary by this next president to make sure that they can accomplish those goals for Thank this you, country and for the world. Thank you, Congressman. Mr. Steyer, would you publicly reveal what the U.S. knows about Putin's corruption or work to freeze his bank accounts? Please respond. Absolutely. As far as I'm concerned, Mr. Trump's America First program, which involves having no plans, having no process, and having no partners, is proved to be a disaster in Syria. It's proved to be a disaster in terms of our response to Russia's attacking our democracy. And more than that, when we look at the problems around the world, the idea that the United States is going to act unilaterally against a country without the support of our traditional allies makes absolutely no sense. Let's go to the most important international problem that we're facing, which no one has brought up, which is climate. We can't solve the climate crisis in the United States by ourselves. It's an international crisis. I've been working on it for 10 years, taking on the corporations, but we have to work with our allies and our frenemies around the world. So if you look at what Mr. Trump is doing, of course, he's been bought by the oil and gas companies. But any problem that we're going to do, but specifically climate, we're going to have to lead the world morally. We're going to have to lead it technologically, financially, and commercially. This is the proof that this kind of America first, go it alone, trust nobody and be untrustworthy is the worst idea I've ever heard, and I would change it on day one in every single way. Uh, Mr. Yang, your response to Putin in Russia. Of course. Uh, we have to look at the chain of events. How did we get here? The fact is we were falling apart at home, so we voted in Donald Trump, and he's now led us down this dangerous path with, with erratic and unreliable foreign policy. We have to let Russia know, look, we get it. We've tampered with other elections. You've tampered with our elections. And now it has to stop. And if it does not stop, we will take this as an act of hostility against the American people. I believe most Americans would support me on this. But Russian hacking of our democracy is an illustration of the 21st century threats. Artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, climate change, loose nuclear material, military drones, and non-state actors. These are the threats that are going to require our administration to catch up in terms of technology. We all know we are decades behind the curve on technology. We saw when Mark Zuckerberg testified at Congress the nature of the questioning. As Commander-in-Chief, I will help pull us forward. Thank you. Mark, and that's I, going to be the responsibility of the Yang. next president. Thank you, I want Mr. to Yang. respond to Mr. Yang. I don't see a moral equivalency between our country and Russia. Uh, Vladimir Putin is someone who has shot down planes over Ukraine, who has poisoned his opponents. And we have not talked about what we need to do to protect ourselves from Russia invading our election. This wasn't meddling. That's what I do when I call my daughter on a Saturday night and ask her what she's doing. Sorry. This no was much more serious than that. This was actually invading our election. So to protect ourselves in 2020, what we need, one, backup paper ballots in every single state. That is the bill that I need, and we need to stop Mitch McConnell from stopping that from happening. And then we need to stop the social media companies from running paid political ads, including ones last time in rubles, without having to say, where those ads came from and who paid for them. That's the Honest Ads Act. That's a bipartisan bill that I lead. And we Th can't wait to you, become Senator. president to get that done. We need to get it done now. Thank, Thank you, you, Senator.